Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? Welcome to another 
Everyday Life series on decoding how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership. Biblical principles from Genesis to Revelation. It's under our Everyday Life category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is jaef.foundation. In our first series of decoding, we looked at decoding creation, God's thought processes and patterns through creation from Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And we arrived at a 10 principle combination that will revolutionize how you think. In this next series of decoding, we'll look at how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership through the life and story of Joseph, also from the book of Genesis. Joseph's life changed the course of Israel. It was through him that God preserved the nation of Israel. Israel wasn't yet a nation per se. It was just a family of 12 siblings. The letter grew into the nation of Israel in Egypt. Some of the life principles we'll cover in this decoding series are our upbringing and past shouldn't define us. Knowing your purpose and calling is the best anchor to go through the storms of life. In life, we need favor and love with both God and man. There are no coincidences in life. God's justice system never fails. We'll also look at work and service, money, and how the economy of Egypt was built from the ground up. We'll also look at investing, saving, leadership, and management. Without further ado, welcome to Decoding Joseph. Welcome back to episode three of Decoding How God Thinks About Work, 
money, business, investing, and leadership through the life and story of Joseph. We will jump right back in on this issue of how and how we need to posture our hearts and character so that God can do great and mighty things, great, great and mighty things through our work, money, business, investing, and leadership. We we were talking in the episode two and saying God is not against doing great things in this universe. He's not against that. He's not against people having influence, having an impact, whether it's on the degree of you get to impact a billion people or 10 people. God's not against any of that. In fact, God is for that because the scripture says every good and perfect gift comes from above. The gifts and talents that we appreciate and the people we see on the, in this universe, on this planet, were given by God. But one of the things that I was talking about is that we limit the degree to which we, de we, we, we think we've seen the best of those gifts, and yet there's a whole nother realm of, of doctors we haven't seen, of athletes we haven't seen, of actors and musicians we haven't seen, because we are copying the the magnitude of these gifts by the heart by our heart posture. You see, you can become a good doctor to a certain degree on your own, but if you partner with God, you become a great doctor. You can become a good pilot, and that's why we see these things happening in the world. We see people who don't believe in God, people who are, they still do um, good things, wonderful things. And one of the things that I didn't know is that you might see the best musician out there and you're like, wow, this is as good as we've ever seen it. But I remember as I was sharing the one time I was, I was watching, I think I was watching basketball or maybe, but anyways, and I, I was just having this conversation with God and I said, Lord, I said, Lord, I really believe that you could make another Michael Jordan. And he laughed and said, of course I can. I can make another Michael. He says, but you see, your world right now will only ever get to see someone as good as Michael Jordan because their heart posture, when I give them Michael Jordan, their heart posture changed to worshiping him. You see, when God blesses these people with talents and gifts that we appreciate, they take all the glory. They No one gets up there, the very few people and, and most of these athletes or these actors or whatever, musicians, they all say it in almost as under, the, under, the, under their breath. You know, you can see on the Oscars, you know, people go there and say, you know, I want to thank God for it. But even if they do, the media doesn't really show that, you know, like no one gets up there. Hey, I can remember the, the, the first time that God brought this to my awareness. Like no one goes out there like the person who's, 
you know, once the, the, the Super Bowl or whatever final, whatever is blown, and then they say, and then they first ask him, you know, they say, Tom, you know, or so-and-so, how do you do this? And the first thing they say, you know what? I couldn't have done this without God. God did this through me. God elevated me to a point that I did things I didn't think were possible. So it was really interesting that when me and God were having this conversation, he said, he laughed so hard. He laughed and smiled. And I said, okay. And he said, son, I can give you people another Michael Jordan. But the problem is the hard posture that the basketball world and other people took upon themselves when I gave them a Michael Jordan is they started worshiping him. They started to worship him. I can give you another, uh, I can give you another great entrepreneur. You know, I can have 10 Elon Musk's on this planet. But the problem is he worships himself and you worship him. <laughs> you see what I mean? It's not because he's saying, I want to do like, like he says, okay, you think you've seen someone who can build a rocket ship or whatever. He says, I can raise someone who can build a rocket ship and do what Elon Musk is trying to do and do it faster than Elon Musk is trying to do it. But you see, your heart posture as the science world is you were trying to think that Elon Musk is going to save the world. You were trying to worship him. You are limiting God by worshiping someone that God is trying to do some good things through. You, as, as the biological world, you limit God by worshiping a good doctor that he has given you and God does not make them great. The moment God senses pride, he, he locks access. He will block access and you won't be able to step into the next realm. I'm, I'm going to talk about some things here, but trust me, I've been meditating about some things for a long time. And there's some things that um, I see happening in the world and I'm just going to let you in. So, okay. I, was, I would notice this and I would say, okay, let's say in the science world. It was very weird is that someone would be on a trajectory of innovation and I would see them making some really good strides, really, really good strides. And all of a sudden they start to stumble into some problems. And it's almost like they can no longer see a way forward. There's a darkness that has come up in front of them. And anytime you see good progress being brought to a kind of like a, a weird standstill, it's really because behind the scenes, God has blocked access. God has blocked access. So I'm, I'm just going to let you on something here. If you want to live in a world sooner than later where we, are, where we, we have self-driving cars, where we have these rockets are actually moving, where we are going to Mars, where 
you might think that these are problems that are happening in the world, but it's because God has taken his divine interference off of it. I was reading an article. This is very interesting. I was reading an article and uh, one person said, uh, it almost seems like in 2010, we said that in 2020, man, we, we would be, uh, you know, like with self-driving cars. There's always these imaginations like we had in 2010, how the world will be like in 2020. But you get to 2020 and we're asking ourselves, wait a minute, what, what has happened? Like, what is really going on here? Like, it looks like our speed has come to a halt. We're no longer moving at a pace that um, we are innovating at. Something weird has come in. We, see, we seem not to be seeing the things that we could see before. There's all these weird things that are coming up. And we, we, we think through human reasoning that that's because uh, life is just being life, business as usual. But no, it's because every time a discovery comes up, somehow human beings think that, okay, we are becoming gods. That, oh, we are so knowledgeable, we are so wise. And God takes off his divine intervention and says, okay, let me see how you're going to build a rocket that gets you to Mars in, in, in three years without my help. And so you start to see these companies labor and struggling and there's a problem that they cannot seem to figure out is because right at that point, there's a pride that there's a pride in their hearts that is built up that makes them think they are so smart. They do not need God. Basically like, oh, who needs God when I can build a rocket that takes me to Mars? So as human beings, the innovations we see in this planet are limited to the degree that we exalt these people. It's true. God has really been showing these things to me. I'm like, whoa, that's, that's crazy. As human beings, the degree to which the next Michael Jordan, the delay between uh, where a player comes on the scene and wins... Uh, six rings wins two three 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 times back to back and does it two times and never loses in the finals all of those things that we so admire and say oh this is what made michael jordan special this is what god can do those things through someone else but as a sports world we limit him when we start to worship the first michael jordan so i want you to understand that this universe the ideas the creativity the solutions that we can see we, we can live in a world that is like in another realm th than we've ever seen, but we limit the magnitude of the gifts that currently exist in this planet by worshiping these people. It cuts off the flow of God. It does. It cuts off the flow of God. It really does. In fact, you can see this with the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel, you had a group of people who were smart. And they said, let us build a tower into the heavens. Basically, they were saying, we can do something that gets us 
to the same level as God. Basically, let us build a tower that is so out of this world that you know we don't need to rely on 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 God's wisdom or, or some you know just kind of like in that same you know kind of tangent of thinking. So what God did is said, okay, I know you, I know you can, you know, because I've given you strong imaginations. I've created you in my own image. But the only thing that God did is he just caused confusion in their languages. That's all. So God took out um, the confusion in their speech where the scripture says, they, they started to speak in different languages. There was confusion in their communication. You can, you know, parallel that same scenario to what we see in our world today, that the confusion, the disagreements we see coming up, the weirdly, you know, it starts to become weird. You're like, really? Like, are we really Democrats and Republicans, conservatives and liberals gonna argue about this? This should be no brainer. Why are we arguing about this? That confusion right there is when God steps out, is when God says, okay, they don't want to posture their heart to do things with me. So I'm just going to let them. I'm just going to step over to the side and, and then all this confusion starts to come in. I know it may be weird for you to believe, but trust me, I have spent... So hours and hours really trying to meditate and asking, why would something that seems to have a clear runway all of a sudden seem to have so many bumps come up, some weird things come in? It normally is because the divine intervention that we see where it says, and God was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. It says, from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. The reason as a human race, we may never get to see the best of the human race is because we haven't yielded our hearts to partnership with God. God partners with the heart. And so in, in the last episode, I was talking about that if we know this golden rule, that there's a new realm of, of work, business, money, investing, and leadership, that there is a new economy that we have never seen as a world. Do you know what's crazy, actually? Do you know that you read through the Bible and there was a point in history where when the people completely pledged allegiance to God, the scripture says that, Everybody was prosperous. Everybody had food. There has never been a time in 21st century, 20th century, 19th century, even with all these technological advances that we have right now. We have never gone through a period where we had an economy do so outstandingly well that middle class, low class, whatever class, everybody was basically living above the standard of living. 
It's never happened. But you see that through, throughout scripture where it says the whole land was peaceful. Everybody had enough to eat. Everybody basically could take care of their families. Nobody was in debt. That has happened before. So if God did it in those economies back then, why wouldn't he do the same through us? Why wouldn't he give us a way to figure out how we can have economies that have rich people, billionaires, but we still have economies where we don't have people living on the street, people who are starving. There's wisdom that we don't have. This world right now has knowledge and information, but there is lack of wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. God's wisdom is transcends all. The thing that made Solomon a great king is he asked for the thing that God treasures the most. And God said, you did not ask for money. You did not ask for wealth. You did not ask for long life. You asked for wisdom. You want to know, you asked me that you want to know how I do business, how I invest, how I lead people, how I, I approach work. You asked me for wisdom on how I, I do, how I think in all of these areas, work, money, business, investing, and leadership. And I will give you wisdom. And because you have now received my divine intervention on you, you have access to my thoughts through my work, money, business, investing, and leadership, I will transcend you. That is what made Solomon a great king. The scripture says, wisdom is the principal thing. In all thy getting, get understanding. It says, wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom and understanding. It says, in all thy getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. So to build, to build robust medical industries, research institutions, universities, um, all of these pillars of culture, music, arts, craft, building rockets that take man to the moon. God is not against us building rockets to go to the moon or Mars. He created these things. He wants us to explore the universe, the things that he created. But we will never get there until we attach onto the wisdom of God. I'm telling you, our generation, we will never get there. You might think we're going to get there. And the tabloids, the news, the media, the forecast, they, may, they might all say, even the man doing it. He might say, this is the year. The year is this. That we're gonna, but mark my words. You will start to see some weird things that happen to slow down that innovation. If we keep exalting the man. The scripture says they exalted the. Uh, it, it talks about that the people started to exalt and worship. what was created instead of the creator. So right now, today in this world, we exalt and worship the creation 
instead of exalting and worshiping the creator. We get into problems. So can we find, uh, I mean, the, I'm just sharing some golden nuggets if you want to do great and mighty wonderful things. If you want to be be excel in your work, in your academics, in your schooling, in your business, in your investment farm, in how you lead people at your company, you are better off partnering with God because he will take you leaps and bounds to where you would have stopped with your own human reasoning. He will take your human reasoning and intellect. He will slap his wisdom on top of it. And you will be like a rocket with 10 boosters blasting through the atmosphere. That is what we see God did with Joseph. I mean, it was so outstanding that Potiphar was scared. It says, it says Potiphar noticed and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Potiphar was just out there like, Something is up with this with this dude. Because he's doing things that my other people, my other servants, they cannot even do. They cannot hold a candle to what he's doing. It says, Potiphar noticed this. It says, the Lord was with Joseph, and so he succeeded in everything he did. Wow. He succeeded because the Lord was with him. And the Lord was with him because Joseph acknowledged that he needed the Lord to be with him. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. And Potiphar noticed this and he was like, whoa, our company is excelling ever since we had this guy. We're solving problems that used to give us trouble in the past. There's peace in this company. Something is up with this guy with this girl, with this dude, with this lady, with this woman, with this man, with this gentleman. He realized that the Lord was with Joseph. There was something unique. Joseph had transcended into, into having some unique solving abilities. Giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he was like, listen, I am making you my personal attendant. I am putting you in charge. That's what we see happening here. So for me, I'm like, okay, I got to align my heart with the hot posture that God wants to do business with. Can we find in scripture evidence that the heart is indeed the primary criteria? Yes, we can. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And it reads, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Why, why has God done all of this? 
Why has God why has God chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise? Why has God chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, the best things of the world, and the things which are despised? That is where God has invested. That is what God has chosen. The things which are not, to bring to nothing the things which are. Says it in verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Remember, I like this other translation says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Basically says, you were nothing when God called you. But he called you because of your heart. Because through you, it says, instead God chose things of the world. God chose things the world considers foolish. Mm -hmm. In order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. So you can see that you can see God's choosing criteria. The world's going to say, okay, bring us the most beautiful, most handsome, most tallest, most smart, most intellect, most... This is, who we, this is who we voted in. This is who we want to represent us. But God says, uh-uh. No, no, no. That's not how I do business. I'm going to confound that person that you have chosen. I'm going to find me someone who has a good heart. And I will elevate them. You see, to God, if you're a smart surgeon with a bad heart, you're still a failure. You have no good, you have no use to him. If you are a Michael Jordan with no character and good heart, choosing to be worshipped, I'm not saying that Michael chooses to be worshipped. I don't know, but I'm just saying. If you don't come out and say, hey, listen, guys. I'm, I'm good at this because God has blessed me. So how about we all thank God for He for how he has blessed me with, with this intellect, with this beauty, with his skills, with this amazing talent. Let us give God the glory. Let us acknowledge that his hand has been on this. The world today is celebrating brains before character, celebrating beauty before character, celebrating talent and skill set before heart posture. And character and then we wonder why we get disappointed when news comes out that your favorite celebrity was doing this behind the scenes that they were doing this and you feel crushed because even you at the core of your existence the heart is where you evaluate everything betrayal is felt at the heart level. 
if all you were doing, if everything someone was doing was all surface level without depth and you found out, if you found out that someone was giving you something, maybe bought you a coffee but didn't really mean to, you wouldn't enjoy that coffee. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. The biggest disappointment we experience as human beings is the truth that comes out about someone's heart posture. So that's the most crushing thing. When the truth comes out about someone's heart posture, that's the biggest disappointment we experience. It's the biggest betrayal. When you ask the question, how could you do this? You're thinking, how could this even come through your heart? How could you do this to me? You're not even thinking about the thing, but you're like, how could you do this thing to me? Because you're thinking, how could this really even have been in your heart to start with? The same way we feel that is the same way God feels about us. So, with this knowledge that God is not calling people according to smarts or intellect, not because those things are not important, but because the other stuff is easy to add on. It's easy to learn. It's very easy to learn all these other things. God can teach you those things. There's books for that. But the heart posture is what matters most to him. You know, I read one time that uh, doctors with compassion and good character received less lawsuits when surgeries failed or surgeries errored than doctors who only approach their parents, their patients with intellect. Doctors who refused, who did not show compassion to their patients during the whole period from when they first met them gave them their diagnosis, really cared for them to doing the surgery. The, the doctors who did not approach the whole process with a good heart, posture, compassion, love, and kindness. When things erred, they were, they, they were sued higher than doctors who approached everything with a good heart, posture, compassion, kindness, and love. The ones who were less compassionate, who didn't operate in love, they were always sued when things went wrong. So with all of this background, and of course now we've established, even from another scripture, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, that says, The eyes of the Lord run to and forth throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Says God's eyes are going to and fro the whole earth. That's where this whole thing of heart posture came from. It's because this is how God does business. His eyes are going every second. He's like, okay, who, 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 who can I, who can I do something awesome through today? And and He's looking at the heart, the heart, the heart, the heart. In fact, another really cool, another another scripture that, um really 
opens this up to us that reinforces this is uh, it's from first samuel 16 chapter 16 verse 7 says god called samuel this prophet to go and anoint the next king of israel so when this prophet showed up at the house he was looking for who was a good looking one who was the tall one who had good hair he he was basically just because there's about seven people options there and so he went with all the options that the world today would look at and say yep that's our guy he's good looking he's tall he's got a six-pack he's smart he's all of these things but samuel the prophet was shocked because every option that he kept choosing the lord would say no that's not my guy no, that's not my guy. No, that's not my guy. In fact, he went through all the all the all the all the people who were in the room and he had to ask the father and says, Do you have any more kids? And the dad said, Yes, there's one who is out there in the, in the countryside. It's called David, and he's grossing the sheep, but he he's not really all that. I'm paraphrasing. Because even the dad was thinking man, the next king must be one of my boys here who is like all that. And what the Lord told Samuel really shows you that God partners with the heart. This is from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that bears repeating. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Wow, that summarizes everything we have been trying to talk about in episode one and two. The Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The heart of a man or a woman, its intents, plans, thoughts, and imaginations, good or bad, is the one area that God has access to that nobody besides that person does. So other people may evaluate you based on appearance and stature, connections, all of that. But God looks at the one thing that nobody has access to because that's where the truth lies. The true identity of that person, their true character, their, the real them lies at the heart of this person. So someone can give you a smiley face, send you a smiley face over text and so forth. But the authenticity of the message is what's in their heart. In fact, another scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Meaning that you can eventually get to know who a person really is on the inside by assessing what they often speak. It's true. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
if you if you hang around the person long enough, they will start to throw up everything that is inside their heart by how they speak. And people, people don't realize how effective this is. So this whole thing called fake it till you make it, it will eventually crack. The heart of a man or a woman, its intents, plans, thoughts, and imaginations, good or bad, is the one area that God has access to that nobody besides that person does. That's where the truth of a man, the true identity, the true character of a person is in their heart posture. That's why God postures with the heart. Because if your heart, if your heart is right, if you're not walking around with jealousy, envy, discrimination, judgmental, victimhood, all of that, God can do business with you. He can, he can partner with you because you are who you say you are. You are who you say you are. Anyways. We could spend all day on this subject. So let's move on. Let's let's look at something else. We are talking about how we can look at the life of Joseph, who got dealt with some pretty big, some pretty heavy, unwarranted blows early on in his childhood, and how he mastered up the strength and right character and attitude to move above all of this and not be held in bondage by the trauma in his life. It's very interesting that. You can hear of so many stories of two people who went through the same traumatic experience, but one of them managed to shake it off, whereas the other person could never get over it. And that became the, the identity of their whole lives. Their lives were held back from ever blossoming into a beautiful story of overcoming all these obstacles because they kept holding on to that pain as a necklace, as an ornament, as a badge of honor around their neck. They always, they always carried that past with them and somehow kept looking back, hoping it could all be wiped away instead of pressing on and creating a beautiful future. Personally, one of the things that um oh this is so good this is one of the things that i really want to spend some time talking about is so in one part we're talking about the heart posture but now there seems to be this thing that joseph was able to do is he was able to look past his traumatic lifestyle, his traumatic past, or I should say his traumatic background. So how about we pick up from there? Cause there's a whole lot for us to dive in. We're going to talk about, um, how we can get to look into the future and not necessarily ignore our past, but almost kind of, 
have a forgetful memory, so to speak. To step into your future, to do great things at your next workplace, in your next business venture, after the last one failed, in your next investment, work money, business, investing, and leadership. You need to have this attitude about not carrying the baggage of the trauma, of the failures in your previous experience and carry them into your new experience. So personally, um, in fact, recently, I was talking with God. I was talking with the Lord about some things I'm trying to figure out and, and deal with. And, and he reminded me about something very important. He was reminding me that I have never fully embraced or won my new identity in Christ. Hmm. What does that even mean? Now, I'm going to take some time explaining this from the point of a believer, someone who believes in God. But because I want to help you as well, if you don't believe in God, and because most of the print, most of the things that we see in in self help books all around the world, and this other, all of this are just watered down principles from the Bible. So, I'm going to first explain this whole new identity from a Christian believer standpoint. But then I'll also now kind of use what you would call a duplicated version of it that you can apply even if you're not a believer. There's something about embracing your, the, the, the new identity of something. So for me personally, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior, he was telling me that, son, you have never fully embraced and worn your new identity in Christ. You see, I sometimes get caught up looking back at the old Calvin and how and where he messed up. And that, oh, I could have done that. I didn't do that. I knew better, but I didn't do it. And I, oh, I should have made that investment. Oh, I missed out. Uh, we should have hired that person. Oh, we missed out. I should have chosen that job. Or I messed up. All of that. And he was telling me, I can only change the road ahead. I can only step into a new future. I can only step into the beautiful things he has planned for me by letting go of my past. And check this out. Not just my past from 10 or 15 years ago. No. I have to let go of my past as recent as yesterday. You see, if you want to call it universe, <laughs> um, I just really want to explain this. This is a this is a fundamental biblical principle that you can 
pull a self-help book out of. <laughs> so why do you have to let go of your past? Not just your past from 10 or 15 years ago. No, no, no. You have to let go of your past as recent as yesterday. Basically. Because there is a newness. There is a newness that exists in new beginnings. There's a new power. There's a new energy. There's new creativity. When morning, when, when the morning comes about, it's a new canvas for a brand new day. You see, when you wake up in the morning and you still have thoughts and, 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 and everything wrong that happened yesterday and you just slap it as your starting point of this beautiful new day that you have of life, of living, you stop all the new all the new creativity that you wake up with it is it is something that you have to be very careful about very intentional about when you wake up in the morning you have to embrace the identity of a new day that this is a new day in fact scripture says this is this is the day that the lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a new day. It has new possibilities. It has new energy. It has new creation. It has new awareness. It is a new day that you have never explored in your entire being. You have never literally lived this new day that you just woke up into. You have never lived and experienced the next hour of your existence. It is brand new. There is you these these secrets there is new things these innovations these new possibilities that are created that exist within the next hour that you've never experienced with this brand new day when you wake up in the morning think of yourself as entering a brand new car into your destiny into your purpose into your into your feeling into your there's a whole newness that you should embrace that is what energizes you. That is what empowers you to step in and do amazing things. But if you keep carrying yesterday's baggage, basically, you shouldn't live life as saying, oh man, yesterday I stopped here and I struggled up to this point. Today I'm picking up from a new struggle. No, 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 no. That day is gone, baby. Ooh, that day is gone. Today's a new day. Everything is new. Now, let, it, let me now first go back into the scripture that really is the fundamental principle for this theory of new identity, a new day, a new relationship. There is, a new, there is power that has been created into a new something. A new marriage, a new toy, a new car, a new house, a new job. There is, 
there is there's power in 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 the new identity in realizing this and we have to capitalize on this because the only way we're going to be able to do exploits in our work in our money in our business in our investing and leadership is you have to have this mental fortitude of your new identity you cannot carry failure from yesterday into today you cannot afford to do that you are blocking yourself. You are self-sabotaging. So God was challenging me on this. He's saying, Calvin, you have never really embraced or won your new identity in Christ. Because sometimes I get caught up thinking the old Calvin is still, it's almost like I carry a backpack of the old me. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot of us do. You have this backpack on your bag that you never want to drop back. It has your bad memories. It had your bad childhood traumas. It has the, the bad experiences from your last relationship. It has the, 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 the last insults from your former boss, from your class, from your report card, from your schooling, from your academics. It's a backpack that you keep carrying along with you. And once in a while, you open up the backpack and, and you just see these things that you that are not good about you, that you don't like about you. But somehow you still you still putting them in this backpack and you're moving ahead with them. And he was telling me, I cannot step into the beautiful things of tomorrow or the beautiful things of today. When I wake up, the things that he has planned for me, if I don't let go of that backpack. And he wants me to let go of that backpack as recent as yesterday. So here's a scripture that really has brought this, given me this revelation. It, it's, it's really, I'm starting to meditate on it. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is real. This is from 2 Corinthians 5.17. You see, when you become a Christian, when you, when you make the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is a new identity that you're supposed to pick up when you say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I repent of all my sins. I believe that you died and resurrected. And now I make you my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. There is an, there's, there's an old self that you give up. And there is a new self that you pick up. There's a new identity you're supposed to embrace. There's a newness in you that if you do not pick up, you cannot step, you cannot start to do great things in your future today. In fact, this, uh, I, I was only going to read it from somewhere else, but I think it, it's probably important if I just read a couple of verses, if I back up. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12 to 20. This is beautiful. It says, it says, For the love of Christ compels me because we judge. For the love of Christ compels me because we judge that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. This 
is packed. He's telling me, Calvin, he's telling you that there's a new identity. He died for your old identity, for that backpack that you keep carrying around about your past, your trauma, your disappointments, your betrayers, your heartbreak. He's saying, don't even worry about it anymore. Don't even focus on it. You, you do not have any reason to keep living after that. You do not owe your past anything. Because it says, and he died for all, and those who leave should leave no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them. And then, of course, he goes on to say, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. He says, from now on, basically, when I wake up in the morning, from this morning that I have woken up, I do not regard yesterday. Yesterday is gone. My failures of yesterday, my shortcomings of yesterday, I do not know them anymore. I am not going to live after that identity today. No, I'm not. It says, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we don't know him. Ah, this is where, this is where the beauty, this is where it all comes full circle. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Listen. This is beautiful, but this is powerful. This is what helps you attain and reach your destiny. It says, therefore, what is it there for? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, in layman's terms, on how you can approach tomorrow when you wake up, it's a new day. It's a new creation. Yesterday has passed away. Behold, today is a brand new day. It's new possibilities, new beginnings, new connections, new abilities, new divine appointments. Today is a new day. Everything, let, let me tell you something. There's a spiritual concept that applies to physical reality here. Everything in the physical realm is partnered after the spiritual realm. If in the spiritual realm, me being in Christ means that there is a new, I'm a new creation. Old things about me have passed away. Behold, everything in me has become new. I have a new identity. Best believe that there is a law behind this spiritual concept that governs the universe. Why do you think when you wake up in the morning, you feel a new energy? I mean, before you wake up, before you really wake up and, and, and the first few moments when you wake up are always the most precious moments. 
because it, it always feels like you've just, it's like a new universe. And then corruption comes in maybe a few minutes after that because your mind, which has been corrupted, starts to remind you that you failed yesterday, you came up short yesterday, yesterday you hated on someone, you didn't get hired yesterday, you failed miserable yesterday, your business lost its money yesterday, someone you dearly love passed away. But I've noticed this and I want you to really think about this. When I wake up in the morning and I say, I'm just going to embrace this new day. Lord, this is the day you have made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. If I try to block out the sound of yesterday, all the noise of yesterday, and really try to look ahead and say, oh, new possibilities today. God, you're going to do great things today. There's a peace. There's a power surge that really hits my body. And then, of course, because this is something I'm just really starting to harness and be better at, then your mind, which is corrupt, which has all the junk, all the weird memories from yesterday, starts to come back and just keep playing the tape. And so you feel defeated. It snaps out your energy of, of taking on this new day because you've, you've got these memories, these, these, these things that are just haunting you. But there's a newness when we wake up in the morning. That's why when we wake up in the morning, we feel like, our muscles, our limbs are soft. They're tender. We, we, we're not as stiff. We're all soft. These times I wake up and I'm like, my body feels so, it feels smaller. And then, of course, as the day goes in, my muscles fill up and I, and I, and I look more, you know, jacked up, so to say. But I don't look like that when I wake up because it's almost like even my muscles there's a deadness that has happened to them. There's, there's, there's a newness that has come into them that I need to exercise them. When you wake up, you, you're like a new baby. You, 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 your mind is still trying to, to, to make sense of, of the new universe, of the new day around you. Your muscles feel that way. It's a spiritual principle that has been embedded into the creation of this universe. That old things pass away and behold, things, all things become new. Now, the reason why it feels that is because the clock ends with midnight. And so technically, there's a passing away that happens to the old day and the new day is ushered in. And when you go back into creation in Genesis, it says the sun and the moon and stars, all of this were created for the seasons. So the reason it feels like that physiologically is because it's a principle that has been embedded into creation at the at the inception of this universe this was actually created in god created it such that when you would wake up your muscles would feel new your trauma would stay behind that's why even if you went to bed with so many problems when you first wake up it feels like you have no problems it always feels like you have no problems it's until five minutes of being, oh, oh, I'm still in this old universe. I'm still in my old life that you start to feel this precious buildup. But it always, everything always feels new for the first few moments when you regain your consciousness. Because it's a, it's a biblical principle. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new in Christ. But also, according to how the universe was created, things become new when the day ends when the clock strikes midnight the new day is ushered in and when your consciousness catches up with it you feel new and guys i'm gonna have to pick up from here in the next episode <laughs>
Thank you for tuning in and catch you in the next episode. Thank you. This was episode three of Decoding How God Thinks About Work, Money, Business, Investing, and Leadership through the life and story of Joseph from the book of Genesis. In the next episode, we'll continue building upon this principle of letting go of your past and embracing your new identity, spiritually, mentally, and even physiologically. There is a revitalization that has been embedded into the newness of everything, a new day, a new birthday, a new job, a new relationship. So we have to be intentional about wearing this new identity across every area of our lives if we are to excel in the next journey or the next chapter of our work, our money, our businesses, our investments, leaderships, and relationships as well. Your host for today was Calvin Kabanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.